Not that everything really matters in the same way that we think it matters. Some things we just like because we're like people and we think they're a blessing. And I guess in one way they would be. Um, but, you know, like I, you know, I don't know if a jelly donut is like really the hand of God moving in our life. But sometimes we get excited about little things. Now, sometimes I think, you know, maybe the Lord is actually moving in certain things. But I'm not sure how much sometimes God just maybe is encouraging us or allowing, knowing the frailty of our flesh. I think someplace it talks about he knows our frame, it's but dust. So he has mercy on us. And sometimes we just, I don't know, just see things in a different way. And, and, you know, we're going to have to trust that God, that God is speaking to us in those things. But as we start, and I, I don't want us to put any hope or confidence in experiences or even things that we feel we get a revelation of. And I do think God takes us from glory to glory and from faith to faith. And even as Pat was sharing, sometimes we do get like, wow, you know, I, I, I see some things. And that's a good thing. But Paul actually says, I don't want to glory in those things because I might begin to think that I have hope. That, you know, somehow I did that. We'll, we'll get to that. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But when, when, we, when we speak, it puts things out there and we, we can build on them. But it's good to have a relationship with the Lord. And it's good to come to revelations. And it's good to come to truth. And it's good to have experiences. But all of those things, the Bible says, are going to be, is going to be done away with. And the only thing that's going to really remain is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's really where our focus needs to continually be. And the battle is, in serving God, I get in the way. I always get in the way. But, okay, this is, I said I needed something to start on. That's not what I want to start on. But, you know, I was looking at that uh, montage of pictures, you know, and it's, you know, kind of really uh, touching, nice. You know, you look at them, and you can look at it a couple different ways. I mean, probably a lot of different ways. You can, boy, wow, he sure got old. Or, you know, all those people that have left. And as I was looking at that, you know, I just... I don't know if it was the Lord, again, if it was just a jelly donut or what it was, but I said, you know, wow, what a heritage we have. You know, and, and sometimes it's, you know, and again, the glory of this earth, the excitement of what we're doing fades real quickly. You know, the Bible talks about, I believe it's in James, that, the, you know, the glory of, of grass is just here for a moment. You know, and sometimes we wonder, what are we really doing? You know, how come nothing's happening? And we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Well, there is something happening. God is at work in you. See, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not what you're able to do. Not even in your understanding that the Lord is working. But it is. Christ isn't working when you think He's working, or when you're good, or when you've got a revelation. The, the, the grace of God and the gospel story is God is at work in you because he's God. God doesn't love us because we somehow now, you know, he knew that we were going to work it out. and He was going to. He loves us because his nature is to love us. And that's our eyes have been opened to know that God is at work in us. But as I was looking at that, and I'm, I'm prefacing that because I don't want us to have any hope because sometimes if we just understand things in the natural... We're going to be really discouraged. 
Because we're always looking for stuff. We're always looking like to something to keep the flesh exciting. And when the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, the Bible says they were going to be taken out with a high and a great arm, with great strength, with great signs and wonders. And you know, we read about Moses and seven plagues, ten plagues, seven plagues, and we go wham, wham, you know, all ten, I think, huh? There was a bunch of them. And they were, they were powerful. And we think, wow, God, you know, God, God said he chose the children of Israel to glorify his name. He chose the children of Israel that God would be all in all. That all the nations would know that he was the Lord God of the universe through these people that he chose. Now, again, as he speaks there, he speaks to the children of Israel, he says, why did I choose you? You know, it wasn't because you were so great. It wasn't because you were... He says, I just chose you to glorify my name. And thousands of years later in the gospel, hopefully we'll get to that in John 15, Jesus says the same things to his disciples. I have chosen you. Why? Well, he's got his purpose that he's desiring and is working in our lives. And we're, 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 the, the Holy Spirit is working in us that we begin to understand that, or at least acknowledge that, that God has chosen you. Not because of any other reason other than his foreknowledge and grace that he says, I have chosen you as a vessel for my glory. But as the children of Israel came out, it says they came out with a high and a, and a great arm, with great strength, with great signs and wonders. They actually, I mean, here they are just, you know, happy as a clam. And they're dancing around. But that wasn't the end of the story. The same God of glory that led them out with the ten plagues and opened up and kind of got them excited, was, his purpose wasn't to keep them excited. His purpose wasn't every day to deliver them out of Egypt and to kind of keep them happy and keep them like, wow, God is real. He actually brought them into the desert for his purpose. See, and we have to come to the place that many times we just want to look at the mural and go, wow, we're not doing anything anymore, are we? You could look at it and go, wow. And the first thought that came to me, I said, wow. You know, I'm looking at some of the stuff. It's not that long ago. But it seems like I said, wow, it's a lifetime ago. And some of it doesn't even seem real. And then the thought came to me. Wow, we have a rich inheritance. And what really, really touched me, and again, I, I don't put much hope in it or any confidence in it. And some, you, know, you, know, you might go by that sign for 20 years and go, wow, I don't feel anything. Well, see, it's God who opens our eyes. See, it's God who reveals things to us. It's God's timing. And whether I'm getting a revelation, quote, unquote, or not, God's at work. It may be God's desire to not open your eyes right now. It may be that you're in the silent treatment. It may be that you're just going through the, the things that God is working for His purpose to be fulfilled. And so as I'm looking at that, I said, wow, what an inheritance. And Hannah was there looking at it first. And really, the wonderful part was that she's part of that inheritance. See, the things that worked here were part of that. And then I kind of, you know, then this, this might just be, you know, human nature. I said, wow, you know, because it's easy to forget how many thousands of lives we touch. Not that it really matters on Monday morning. But, you know, it's sometimes easy to forget. We have touched nations. We have touched, you know, Paul talks about some plant, some water, some weed, 
Some give the increase. That's not up to me. See, what, our, what my work is, is to serve God in whatsoever state I find myself, in whatsoever circumstances God seems to orchestrate, because it's, it's God who brings the increase. Have you ever murmured against... Have you ever, told, have you ever wanted God's job? Have you ever told Him what He's doing wrong? Any, any, am I the only one here? Okay. We'll say it was like Nash. If, if you came full, there's no, no sense in coming. If you, the only people that can get touched by the Lord is one that's really needy. And the problem is, we're hardly ever needy. We're, trying, we're, we're just two together. And that's what God has to break in our lives. That's the work that this world seems to be doing. And that's what happened with the children of Israel. They were all excited. Praise God. Yes, God's real. And then, stuff. Because he wanted a, king, he wanted a kingdom of priests. And he was going to show them what a stubborn and stiff-necked people they were. He was going to try them for 40 years in the desert so they could learn two things. One, if you'd serve me or not, you'd learn that. We found out, no, there's none righteous. No, not one. And that man doesn't live by bread alone. We don't live by our own experiences or by our own desires or appetites. God, as it were, isn't work in us. So again, I was looking at that. I was blessed that, you know, God, in his, through all the stuff that he's working with, you know, has touched nations, thousands of lives that are... And, you know, it's easy to forget that. And again, that may not keep you. That, you know, that, that's just kind of like, you know, the jelly donut. And it's nice. But we want to see what God is... Re- we want to come to know Him. You know, because it's easy to forget that God is at work and not you. He really doesn't need many. He doesn't need a lot of stuff to get done. You know, what could you possibly do for God? So, with that, let's get started talking about God's purpose and Him working in our lives. Let's turn to Psalms 115. Psalms 115, first verse. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Hallelujah. There's, a, there's something to think about. Not unto us, but unto you give glory. That's what we're here for. We're here not for our own lives, not for our own glory, not even that God would work in me and somehow I would understand that. But I come to the revelation because God has chosen us. And that's, God has chosen us to reveal His Son in us. He's made some determinations. He's made some decisions about you. You haven't chosen me. It's not because you're getting it together and someday you'll see a great work and you'll all know. It's God has chosen you, not to glorify you, but to glorify His name. And He orders our circumstances and our lives according to His Word. And whether we ever see it or not, we want to see Him. And so that the entire work that we come out and we get saved and that Israel is dancing all around, the same God brings them out into the desert to try Him for 40 years, feeding a manna. And Paul, later on, let's turn there to Philippians. We'll come back to Psalms. 
Philippians. Philippians. It's easy to just get caught up in the things of this world. Jesus warns us over and over. Don't get caught up with the things of this world. Don't get caught up with your appetites. Don't get caught up with the cares of this life. Don't be persuaded by riches. Don't be persuaded by men. Don't be... You know, John talks about don't fall in love with the things of this world. If you love the things of this world, you're going to hate God. And that nature or that person, the Lord Jesus Christ working in us, is desiring to glorify his Father. And the main part is we need to get out of the way of serving God. He doesn't need you in the sense of you need to do something. One of the greatest... Hindrances to the work of God is people trying to do the work of God, doing their God works, instead of just letting Christ work in our lives and realizing that at our best state, see, we're, 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 we're fighting against God. See. And this is what Paul sums up here in verse 7. But the things that were gained unto me, I count loss for Christ's sake. So a lot of things... How many... Sometimes we count things lost we haven't even gained. Have you ever wondered or thought about, well, you know what I could be doing? You know, if I only did. You know, if I, if I didn't, you know, Moses. I mean, I wonder how many times he was kicking himself. You know, because he made some conscious thoughts. But Paul says, what those things that count gain unto me, or even the things that I possibly could have gained. I count lost because our eyes have been opened because of God's sovereign choosing and predestination. He's chosen us to glorify His name. And that is the entire purpose of life and of the universe and of heaven and angels and all things is that God would be all in all and He's sovereign and our lives are here as a manifestation or as a witness that there is a God in heaven. And He came to be the Redeemer. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read a, a statement here. Never allow the thought. And here he makes a quote. Never allow the thought, I am of no use where I am. Remember how many people have thought you could be someplace else doing something more? See, again, we, we want to intrude into God's sovereign design and work. We want to take over God's job. The waiting list is really endless, isn't it, Spencer? Yeah. I mean, we're all kind of waiting to be the boss of the world, you know, in our own little deals. Well, God's doing a perfect job, and our job is to rest in that and to thank Him for it. I am of no use where I am. Again, what use could you possibly be to God? What were you going to do for Him? Help Him get the sun up on time? How about, were you going to straighten out the church? A lot of people have been doing that. Paul, you know, he was a great starter of it. He was going to straighten out the kingdom of heaven. No, thank you. No. When you come to the end of yourself, so you're going to find out the Lord was always there. He was working when you thought he wasn't working. But never allow the thought that I am of no use where I am. I like this. Because you certainly can be of no use where you're not. It's vain imaginations. If I was only... No! They were questioning God's sovereign work in your life. See, and as, as, as Pat was sharing, something came to mind because Jim had this tape, I guess a CD, and one of the excerpts was, and I remember him teaching on it, the molding of a man. 
And he's basically talking about women and, and wives and how, how they need to understand God's work in a man. And a lot of that's going to be through suffering. And a lot of things that we don't see, we don't see the Lord yet working. And we don't understand all his purpose. If we would have seen, look, the life of Joseph. And it sums it up in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we looked at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, at the end of all things, we'd summed it all up. We think he's stricken, smitten of God and forsaken. Because we're not understanding it. God is at work. But he, he says to the women to understand God's word. And to understand God's plan in a man. Because sometimes it's not going to look like what it yet is supposed to be or what God has intended for. When, when metal comes out of the ground, it doesn't look like an automobile. It goes through all kinds of things that doesn't have anything to do with an automobile. It looks like raw dirt. It looks like this. And you could be tempted to say, oh, what good is this? What use is this? Ruth, what good are you doing being a beggar? Even Naomi told her, don't stay here. There is nothing for you here. It is used up. Naomi, what did she do all her life? Regular story. Married? I don't know if the man was a good man, decent man. Don't know. It's under pressure. Economic downturn. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. There wasn't a lot of people trying to be mini providences. What do I mean by that? Well, we want to play God in our situations. How many times have you wanted to spare people from God's dealing in their life? How many times do you want to spare your dealing? Again, it comes down to what use is this? What good is that? You're trying to take, you're trying to be a mini providence. Instead of doing our job, I'll tell you what our job is so we can make reference to it. Go back to Psalms. We were in Psalms 15, 115. Yeah, but that's not where we're going to be. Yeah. Psalms 115. Go back to Psalms 113. Praise the Lord, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth from the, and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, let the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord is high above the nations and his glory above the heavens. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in the New Testament, in everything through prayer and thanksgiving. We have a job. It's not God's job. That has already been taken. Your resume is no good. It's not even wanted, but we're always trying to submit it. Oh God, you don't understand. And if you don't, here is your work. Thank God. You're to praise the Lord. Oh, there it is. Something's rising up, isn't it? Why? How come? I don't see. That's the work of God. You're not going to be able to see. And in Psalms 115, he kind of goes on with this. Oh no, it's 116. But it's not unto us to get glory, it's unto the Lord. What shall I render... In verse 12 of 116, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits to me? What would you possibly be able to do for the Lord? Well, we all, I got a lot of God projects. Do you want to be useful? Do you want to be used? Would you like to make a name for yourself? Would you like a better life than Naomi? 
mean, there again, Naomi, you know, we're back to her, we'll get to this. See, and, and God picks out these stories. And, you know, as, as you look at it, the stories may sound even, even the worst stories in the Bible, as you read them, may sound glorious to your flesh. You know, if you look at that and you go, wow, I can, you know, like I said, you know, we, we, we're always underrated. We have a bad PR man. If, I mean, if what we were doing in Turkey was in some church, we, we would have made millions. You know. But even when it's happening, it's not, it never seems that way. See, we've affected and turned the course of nations, and yet, thank God, we don't understand. I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were turned the course of a nation, they didn't understand it either. They didn't see it either. It wasn't like, dun-da-da-da, whoa, we're really being used of God. I doubt it. All the Gideons. It was just going through the court, the Naomi's. That's why I like some of these other stories. Because some of the other stuff, he said, wow, they really kind of like, you know, finally at the end, Gideon at least got the, you know, and he didn't get to beat anybody up either. He just kind of said, aha, and they ran away. You know, I mean, he can't take any glory, not unto us, but unto your name. What did Gideon do? Okay, so now I'm going to teach you how to put the flight, the armies of the aliens. Let me give you these seven principles. And you know, some of you guys, some of us, well, nobody here that I know of, thank God we're all losers. Some of us could actually pull it off. But most of us just don't even have that much smarts. But thank God. See, it's going to be unto him. See, we could learn, well, you do this, you do... No, see, God was at work. And that's what Gideon couldn't understand. You mighty, man of God, you mighty man of valor, I'm going to call you. Well, here, and then he began to play mini providence. Well, if God was working, how come this, how come that? God was working all the time, even though you didn't understand it. And our job is not to understand it or to even ask God for an explanation or to argue with him. It's to give thanks. Thank you, Lord. This is, it's so, this is, Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. This is the day the Lord has made. He orders my steps. God, you're working in my life right now. Well, how come? You're not many providence. It's Christ working in it. And the gospel message, it's opened our eyes that God is at work. And so you have a person like Naomi. She goes, there's a famine in the land. It's a normal story. A lot of people losing their houses now. A lot of people out of work. A lot of people live. And that... Some people just, you know, we're just going through, and all of a sudden her husband dies. And that's not like, wow, what happened? People's husbands die all the time. Not a terribly unusual story. She was going to change the course of nations, and yet it did not appear that way. Now, I think maybe up in heaven, I don't know how that works. Maybe she's looking at this mural up in heaven, and she's seeing her life and going, wow. God worked that in. It's in knowing and being thankful to God that all things, all things work together for the good. And in everything, the battle is to, in everything to make prayer with thanksgiving unto God. And in the seemingly nothing things, it's God will be moving. When the earth was without form and void, God created life. And so here Naomi, husband dies. She has two sons, they get married. Not a, wow. Whoa! I want to tell you, and a God was moving. And they had a two sons, and they got married. They got married. Wow! Oh, man, there was not any of that. 
When our hotel was getting taken away and we were away from home, it wasn't like, whoa, we were just doing what we were sent to do. And God was changing the course and is changing the course of history. And you don't have to be in Vaughn, Turkey to do it. You're doing it right here and right now, whether you even know it or not, or whether you're even thankful or not. But wouldn't it be nice to say we practice the Word? Thank you, Jesus. That is my work. To know that it is God working in me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And you are working powerfully. So someday, and I don't even want us to look forward to that. Someday I think there will be a mural and sometimes you look at that and go, wow. And you can get bitter. You know, you can get bitter. You know, how come everybody left must doing something wrong? I don't know why they're, you know, where is everybody? I don't know. That's not, I'm not God. How come my husband died and then now help? I mean, you know, it just keeps getting worse and worse around here. And now the son-in-law has died. Who's going to take care of me? I'm here in a foreign gun. Or, or you just keep being thankful and knowing that God is at work. Hallelujah. See, I think we had that thing of, you know, who's in control of your mouth today? Well, there's some things I need to speak. Because after I speak it, I might start believing it. I think Don talked about it. It was great. We need more hypocrites in the church. I'm tired of people telling me the facts. Don't bring me down. I've got my own facts. The road to Emmaus was full of facts. There was just no faith. You know, who's in control of your mouth? Even though you're speaking the word, thank you, Lord. I know you're in control. You know, we might get some understanding if we walk 40 years. You know, we might learn two things. Or we can start exercising some faith. And I believe as we exercise faith, God, I don't know how it all works, somehow miraculously moves. He's glorified in our lives. So you have Naomi. The story seems to get worse and worse. I don't know where all those people are. I don't know where, you know. It's here for the glory of, glory of grass. It's for a moment. The woo just doesn't keep you going too long, you know. And I, you know, I tell people the stars up in Eureka, and they go, wow, you know. Didn't seem like anything. Just seemed like you're going through life. Has anybody just seemed like you've been going through life lately? Is it just really boring, and you wish God was alive in your life, and you wish more was going on? Hallelujah, God has brought you to the desert because that's what he's chosen to do. And he said, that's where I will. The same God that brought you out with a mighty hand has brought you here. His purpose has not changed. Man, because of sin, has jumped track. But God's purpose hasn't changed. And he fulfilled that purpose in Christ Jesus when he came and died. That he could once again redeem all mankind in the church. That in the church... He would be all in all, and through the church, God would be glorified. No, I don't understand it. No, I don't see it with these uh, these mortal eyes. But Paul says, I'm looking for that hope that's yet before me. I'm looking for you on my crown and my joy. I see it by faith. Hallelujah. Because if in this life we have hope only, we are miserable. Your hope will wane. Youth will go. Strength will fail you. But Jesus remains constant, and his purpose is always the same. 
And it's through the redemption and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that that purpose and that person has come into our life. And it takes this senseless, meaningless life and has said, okay, I now am working powerfully in you. And maybe from time to time, you might even think you see some things. What you're seeing, you may not even be seeing correctly, but we think we just know so much. Even if we get a revelation, we think we've got it. We don't. So Naomi gets married. Her husband dies. Her two sons die. And there she is. What? Where's God? What kind of a story is this? Well, it's a glorious story because God is working. And then there's a Ruth. I think she's a Moabitess woman. Right? Is that correct? Yeah. She's not. Yeah. But she's... I don't know what causes her to say... Where you go, I'll go. What a ridiculous... Even Naomi says, that's a ridiculous thing to say. There's nothing for you. You'd be a stranger in this country and you don't have, I don't have any more kids. What, what are you talking about? He says, I'm going with you. And then we know that a God was going to move and when Ruth made that thing and a God threw down some gold. No. Now, he may do that from time to time. But, you know, if, if you do that, I, I was talking to someone, someone mentioned, it's, it's a lottery mentality. You know, there are people, I guess, I've never met one, nor have I met anybody that gave me any of the money, but I've never met anybody that won the lottery. Supposedly, there's people who win. And I guess there's people who actually win in Las Vegas. And I guess you could actually bank on that. And many times, you'd probably be like those that go to Las Vegas. You've banked on a God coming through, and it didn't come through, did it? And so what do you do? You're mad. I lost this money, and I thought, well, you thought. God never told you to bet on, you know, 62-7 or, you know, play blackjack. You know, I guess it can happen. Well, God's showing me to go to Las Vegas. Yeah, have a nice day. But a lot of times our, our lives are like that. You know, we're just hoping that it's going to come through. Well, Ruth was faithful. Ruth was walking in something that she couldn't see, couldn't understand. She probably didn't even totally understand. Looking at a bad situation that's only getting worse. But God was at work even when it seemed like it wasn't. That's why we're talking about curbing your appetites. See, if you have appetites, you might want to gamble a lot. You might be waiting for the big one to come through. He's already come through. He's already in your life. He's already delivered you out of Egypt. Now it's your turn. Somebody was saying today something about our, what our work is. Well, I, th- I think I did. <laughs> Be thankful. <laughs> now what someone else was saying it to. Yeah, see, I have a work to do to, to walk with the Lord. To, be, to believe the gospel, that God is at work, even when it apparently seems like it isn't. Even like when sometimes God opens a door that no man can shut. Sometimes he closes a door that no man can open. And we go, why did that happen? It's God at work. Your job is not to know why it happened, not to understand what happened. Your job is to say, thank you, Lord, not unto me, but unto your name be glory. Glorify your name in life or death or whatever circumstance we find ourselves. Well, I like this. I just, I just thought it was so cute. It's something like I would have said if I could have said it that good. Never allow the thought I'm of no use where I am. Oh, what am I doing? It is really stinks, you know. You know, Vaughn was the same way. Remember living in Eureka for a while. 
Eureka was a pit of a town. It rained, it's cold, it's miserable, no work. We come to Wickenburg. Wickenburg stinks. We moved to Vaughn. We want to get out of Vaughn. Guess what? It's you! <laughs> it's you! I'm of no use where I am. That's great. Because you certainly can't be of any use where you're not. Vain imaginations. This is where God's planted you. Start following Naomi. That's where you are. You can be led around. Well, I know if I can, I'm going to, you know, put all my money on the big one. It isn't coming through. Or we can just faithfully trust Jesus that he's at work. And God is at work in us. And so Naomi, Ruth, she ends up being a beggar. This is what Ruth is called to do. You know, and, and the guys are looking at her not real well. She's a stranger, got no husband, hanging around guys in the field, picking up barley. Barley, right? Not wheat. Yeah. There's a deep meaning in that. Don't know what it is. (laughs) So, you know. So, Boaz, what a dunderhead. Oh, yeah. He was a rich man. He didn't need to be picking up trash. He didn't need to be taking care of this. He didn't need to aggravate his life. He says, okay, guys, back off of this lady. You looked at her well. Give her some stuff. Start doing something kind of strange, but not, not like um, normal stuff, because in the law it was said that you take care of the, the widows, you take care of the beggars. It wasn't like this was like, oh, Boaz wasn't spitting on her. No, this was what you were supposed to do. Now he went a, bit, a little bit above the top. But again, it was kind of like, Probably something, what we would think natural was there. Like I said, you know, sometimes I think God lets us think we're making our own decisions. You know. And maybe he looked out and went, Ruth, well, she's a pretty nice looking lady. I think I like that lady. Now, I don't know how it all works, but it just kind of went through weeks or months or years. Yeah, I'm just... And then we know the rest of the story. This seemingly nothing story. Why is that silly story even in there? Well, it was because then, he, you know, it was kind of a Cinderella story. It all worked out well. No. We read later on in the books that this story, this seemingly nothing story that didn't seem to change generation, didn't seem to be really so exciting, didn't seem to be a great message of faith, didn't seem, could have been like a place in Wickenburg or Vaughn or Eureka or... It's the same old, same old. Every day picking up barley. Every day having to take care of Naomi. Every day, you know, being looked at like the foreigner. If you've never been a foreigner, there is a stigma to it. See, we don't understand that real well. But living in another country as a foreigner, everything you do is uncomfortable. doesn't matter how smart you are, you are a dummy. Especially in a country that doesn't like foreigners. And we, we, we don't understand that. And so later that, that story goes on that the Lord Jesus Christ was to be born of that lineage. Now, she didn't know that. God didn't tell her why that had to happen. But it was through that seemingly nothing, God was at work. And this book is made up of seemingly nothing stories after nothing stories after nothing stories. And they are nothing except for one thing. It's Christ working in there. 
And now that's, that's what God desires for us to do. And that's why we can be thankful. See, we, our eyes have been opened to what? See, our eyes haven't been opened that now we're going to have like this boom, bam. No. Now, I have been thinking a lot lately, which is probably not good. But I, I trust through that all. You know, the, I think there's a place that we can, we can, we draw back. We draw back from faith. We draw back from belief. We draw back into a place of just not really recognizing the Lord, in a place of kind of like safety. And we just kind of go through motions. And I don't think that's the right thing either. And like I said, I'm, I'm kind of tentative on this, but I'm, I need to speak it. Because I don't know how it works. But I know the, but you know, Jesus sends out the disciples. He says, go out in all the world and preach the gospel. Be a witness. And I think that, we'll talk on that, but that's not really what's on my heart at this time. But he said, go out and heal the sick. Lay hands on the sick. Do miracles. Now, we don't see that happening. Now, I'm not accusing God, and I'm not blaming anybody, but I'm saying, you know what? That probably needs to be happening. He said, these signs shall follow. Now, I can't demand that of God, and I can't be angry that it's not happening, but I sure can pursue that. And I can start saying, God, if you, if you said that's to be, and we need to, when we pray, we need to believe that you're going to do that. And we need to start seeing some healings. We need to see you, because if you send us out to do that, then we need to do that. But many times, because we, I don't know, I'm not going to make excuses for it. I don't know how it all works. And sometimes God moves sovereignly even when I don't think he's working. But sometimes I think because we don't recognize God daily, he just can't move when he's kind of like supposed to. <laughs> and I think we're, our job is to praise the Lord. But, like I said, there's something that really gets in the way of serving God. It's me. And before we read Philippians, let's turn to Romans. Because this is a scripture I've been, I've been speaking with the children a lot lately. And after about, I don't know, almost a year speaking it, I think I'm beginning to get a small bit of understanding. See, some people think because a preacher or a pastor or someone is teaching, they know what they're talking about. Don't be deceived. It's not true. See, we, we believe, I believe, therefore I have to speak. I have no, not necessarily understanding of what I'm saying, but I have to preach by faith. Matter of fact, I was down, I was, I was, I mean, it was several years ago, I was at the coffee shop, I think I was still over in Turkey, but they, somebody asked me some questions, and uh, I don't know, his, you know, he said, you're a pastor, and can I talk to you? I said, sure, sure, and um, he starts asking me these questions, and I, I don't remember the question, and I didn't, know, I didn't know the answer, and I looked at him and said, boy, I just don't know that, and the guy said, you're kidding. That's really amazing. I think that's the most wonderful answer you could have given. I've talked to dozens of pastors, and they all know everything. You don't know anything. He said, that's so refreshing. I said, thank you. Anytime. <laughs> Imagine being complimented for being a dodo head. But we just don't know a whole lot. Yeah, I thought, okay, the guy was going to go. He said, wow, thank you. That was well, anytime I <laughs> can do that. But here we are. So again, who's in control of your mouth today? Who's in control of you? If you think you have to figure it out before you start speaking, give it up. We need, go back to it, we need more hypocrites. I believe, therefore I speak. Or sometimes I don't believe yet. <laughs> Help my unbelief, I have to speak. Help my unbelief, Lord, I, I want to see miracles. Help my unbelief. 
Lord, I want to thank you. Help my unbelief. So by faith, I'm going to speak. Well, at least I'm not a hypocrite. That's your problem. Because everything we see and feel is yelling against the, the truth of the gospel. The, 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 the fleshly man understands nothing from the word of God. And that's where God has come. Oh, oh, oh. Turn to Psalms. Turn to Psalms. I knew there was, this was going to be a tough meeting. Turn to Psalms. We need people to start rising up in the calling that God has called them to be with. And it's going to be a totally unglorious calling. Maybe in your own eyes. But it's designed to be that way, Ruth, Naomi, Joseph. Name the rest of them. Oh, where is that? Psalms 116, I think, again. Well, we started this, didn't we? We didn't get to it. What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits? What are you going to do for the Lord today? Please don't do anything. Please. This is what He's got to kill in us. The, the, the God works. The things that you're going to receive glory for. You want to do something. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. What are you going to do for the Lord today for all His benefits? We've said it over and over again. All you can do is receive. I'm going to say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. I'm going to take... What am I going to do for the Lord? I'm going to take again. I'm going to take the cup of salvation. Remember the great trade? There's only one thing the Lord wants from you. What is that? Your sin. Now, if you don't have any sin, you're in a lot of trouble because the great exchange can't happen. And that's a lot of your problems. You don't want to trade in your sin. It's a you know it's been good for twenty years. You know it's it's working. Trade it in. What God wants is your sin, is your unbelief, is your complaining. Now, he doesn't want to hear you complain. That's not what I mean. <laughs> but I have to trade it in. What are you going to do for the Lord today? I'm going to take the cup of salvation and I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. I'm going to be thankful today. I'm not going to change my situation. Now, don't, don't, you know. It's going to be impossible for you to do nothing. It really is. It's in the heart of man to, to do that, and I believe that's something in God. We talked about that the, the king prepares his horses for battle, gets everything together, but God, you know, Naomi didn't say, I think I'll uh, go into the land of Moab and hope my husband dies. We don't, we don't think like that. We can't think like that. But when in the situations we find ourselves in, we can bring every thought into captivity that what am I going to do for the Lord today? I'm going to take the cup of salvation. And I'm going to call upon the Lord. And I believe as we do that, I believe our minds are clear and we put on the mind of Christ. And I believe God will put things in our hands to prosper with. I think a lot of times we're just not seeing, right? Because we're just not facing up to the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord in the presence of all His people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His servants. And I read that and I went, what is, what is He talking about? Well, in order to thank God, you're going to have to die. And that's what God's looking for. It's so precious when His saints die. No, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a literal translation of that. But I think daily we can die in giving thanks to the Lord. Because instead of giving thanks, we'd like to figure it out. We'd like to blame We'd like to have the glory unto us, but it's not unto you. We just want to thank God that He set us free. What has He set us free from? He set ourselves free from ourself, from the, from the um, 
awareness of ourselves. He wouldn't need to be set free from the sin that's there. And so the, the, only, the thing that gets in the way of serving God is you. So Romans 7. Like I said, I've been, been speaking this thing. We need, like I said, we need more voices. We need more hypocrites. Like Ruth. Ruth was a good hypocrite. She knew her situation would have been better in Moab. She had relatives there, probably friends. She spoke the language. She knew the customs. What a hypocrite. Oh, she's just trying to butter up Naomi. Naomi doesn't have nothing to butter up for. She was a hypocrite. Or we might like to say she was walking by faith. She was walking by something else. We're going to talk about what love is eventually. Okay. Oh. Verse chapter 7, in verse 16. If I, then I do which, verse 15, for that which I do allow not, for, for that which I do not, I do, I allow not, for what I would, that I do not, but what I hate, I do. I then, if then I do that which I would not, I consent that the law is good. Now, I was thinking about that, the, the light Jesus talks about himself as the light. And the law and the gospel really do the same thing. It's just that Jesus takes us out from the condemnation of the law. See, the law came, and if we read Romans, and it's hard to just stop and pick one verse from Romans. But Paul says that I didn't know sin until the law said don't covet. And as soon as the law said, don't covet, it brought out all kinds of covetousness, he said. See, we didn't know we needed a savior till the gospel came and said, you're a sinner. Now, if you don't receive that, guess what? You can't have the great trade. We can't have our eyes open. We can't have God working in our life and have that, the grace in our lives. But the gospel and the law do the same thing. They put us in a dilemma. The gospel answers the dilemma. The gospel says, The light comes to reveal what? It doesn't reveal how good you are. See, I don't need Jesus to be a good person. I don't need Jesus to buy Girl Scout cookies. I mean, in some ultimate way, I know God gives me that, but I'm talking somehow in a spiritual way that works that glorify God. And a lot of times, see, we just take it and we reduce the cross. Remember how precious is the death of his saints. Well... We want to keep Jesus. I want all the glory to be for me. So, I mean, basically, if we're trying to be a good person, you don't need the Lord. He's really going to be an annoyance in your life. We're not talking about being good. We're talking about God's purpose being established. And for that, I need the Lord. See, for me, to, what does God want? For me to be thankful. For me to glorify Him. For me to praise Him in all things. Not help the old lady across the street. That's good to do, but you don't need the Lord. There's a lot of good people without the Lord. But all their goodness, the Bible talks about it as filthy rags. It's actually against the purpose of God. And while we're on that subject, I had a question the other day that came in my mind. How many people believe you can discern between the Lord and the devil? Don't raise your hands because you'd be embarrassed. 
could go, well, yeah, I, I, oh, yeah. Well, again, unless the Lord reveals himself to me, I wouldn't be able to do that. See, but we're so, oh, I don't know. I just don't know even where to start anymore. I'm just going to read to you something. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency and the knowledge of Jesus. It's all about just coming to know him. Just coming to know him. Nothing else matters. Whatever you lose, whatever you gain, doesn't matter. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ. Verse 9, that I might be found in him. This is what Paul is saying he's striving for. Paul is striving for something. He's striving to no longer be found having his own righteousness. But he wants to strive that when he comes to the Lord, he will only be found with the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I get in my own way when I'm starting to establish or come to God or come with an argument to God with my own standards, my own righteousness. And I somehow believe that I can discern what's better and what's worse for my life. I somehow think I can discern between the devil and God. And this is what Peter had. Peter was a man of God that had walked with Jesus Christ at that point for like three years or, or more. He had healed the sick. He had seen miracles. He had heard the word of God from the Lord Jesus Christ. He had dropped everything and forsaken all things and followed Jesus. He was a man that should have been able to discern the voice of God and the voice of the devil. It would be easy, you think, to discern that. Unless we forsake his purpose as we do every day, unless God would somehow open the eyes of our understanding. And Peter stands up with all boldness in his own righteousness in his own understanding, thinking that he finally learned something about God. Have you learned anything about God? Be careful. He stands up and basically rebukes Jesus and says, don't go to the cross. And Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. We can't even discern between the devil and the Lord. We might need the church. And there it was. Did you feel the control monster take over? It's all about control. See, that's the whole thing. Who's in control of your life? Who's in control of your mouth? Who's in control of your thoughts? Who's in control of your actions? Who's in control of your thoughts? In Ruth. So Paul says, I don't want to be found having my own righteousness. I don't want to be able to say, well, this is what I've done and this is what I do and this is what I think. I wouldn't even know the difference between the devil and the Lord unless God showed me. And so my work would be to just to be thanking God, knowing that he's working all things together for the good. And whatever I find to do, I do it heartily as under the Lord, knowing he's directing my steps. And, you know, sometimes that's going to end up with a dead husband and your life being a stranger. And you might be sent a little, sold into prison or you might lose a hotel or you might do. I... Now, I'm not saying that. See, some of the stuff you bring on yourself because you're stupid and you make some mistakes. Those are things you, you know what God's going to say to you. You were stupid, and you made some mistakes. Now you're going to have to learn your lesson. But even in that, God's working. See, Moses had the same problem. He thought he was going to take care of God. He knew, God. he knew God's plan, just didn't know the Lord and didn't know how God was going to work. He was going to be, he had a God project. Just God wasn't into it. So he stepped out. David had the same problem. He stepped out. He's going to do God a favor, bring the tabernacle back ends up being dead. And the Bible says he was sore dismayed. I mean, King James, he was bummed out. He said he was mad at God. 
said, what, you know, here I am, you know, I'm trying to do the best I can and nobody appreciates it. No, nobody does. No, nobody does, nobody cares. Only God's purpose matters. It's all going to burn. Anyway, we get, we get in the way. Uh, there's a law present. Okay, I'm just going to finish this here. Not that we're finished preaching. I find then a law that when I want to do good. Anybody here want to do good? How many people woke up maybe this morning or several years ago and said, I think I want to do good today. I'm determined. There's, some, there's, what, there's something always present. It's you. It might be Peter saying, Lord, don't go to the cross. Oh, then Jesus would have to say, you're thinking like the devil again. Thank you. But when I'm all, See, if I'm coming before God in my own righteousness and he calls me the devil, who do you think you are? I've been praying about this. It doesn't matter. See, it doesn't matter. See, why would it take someone 20 years to kind of like ding something go off? We talked about um, Balaam. God sends him on a journey. Donkey speaks to him three times. He doesn't get it. His eyes are open. Not open. All of a sudden, then God opens his eyes. What does he do that for? I don't know. He's trying to do something that it is him. You wouldn't be able to know it unless God, God may have your eyes closed for a purpose. If Joseph knew his brothers were going to sell him into slavery when he went out to watch his father's sheep, he isn't going. If Paul knew they were waiting for him, he wouldn't go. God is at work. And sometimes he has to trick us. But there's evil is always present. I want to do good today. And then something's going to happen. Evil's present. I find a law. He says there's a law. This isn't like, this is a law. When you want to do good, when you want to serve God, evil's present. It's our work by the Holy Spirit in us to thank him in that, when evil's present. You know. See, Jesus never, in the Lord's Prayer, keep me from evil. Doesn't, he doesn't ever take us away. He says, I pray that they, I don't take them out of the world, keep them in the world. But glorify your name in them. See, there comes the thing, when these things happen, we're, 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 we're to react in, in, praising, in praising the Lord and coming back to the purpose that God is at work in us. Oh, I've got so much. I don't know where to start. That's why I'm saying, see, we need to be doing the work that God's called us to do. Because I think it's when we start... Don't look around the room, and I'm not picking on anybody. It's just like sometimes when you hear things, they just, they're like a real word from the Lord. I was talking to someone this week. I was talking to a few people this week. And they said, I don't want to just hear the ethereal things. You know, that's just ethereal. I want to get down to reality. Well, I thought about that. You know, you could just go away and say, oh, that's really a stupid thing to say. Well, let's turn and we'll finish up here, I guess, because we didn't get to anything. John 3, John 3. And I re- the reason that I believe that mo- a lot of us aren't speaking like hypocrites and we're not really doing what we would call the practical things, but Jesus calls them the heavenly things, is, is because we refuse to embrace the ethereal things, the things that I don't understand. I don't see how this is going to make any difference whatsoever. Those are the foundation that empower us to do what we would call the practical things. Unless you understand the foundation and the unlo- the contract, the, 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 the... honesties, 
the, the, the prime directive, then you can't do any of the work. And the reason that the work breaks down is because we're not of the same mind. We're not speaking the same ethereal things that seem to have no bearing whatsoever. So Jesus has the same situation with a, with a religious man, with a man that should know better. Because in order to grab hold of some of these things, there might something precious might have to happen in your life. What would be precious in the sight of the Lord about you? Say it with some... Death, not making you better, not giving you understanding. But see, again, if we don't get deliberately identified with Christ's intention in the church and with other people, I might want Christ to get identified with my intention in other people. And Oswald talks about that. We'll get to that. Not this week. So... Verily, verily, and Jesus, this is something we would go, oh, oh, yeah, that's real simple. But he's going to lay out a principle here. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we know, that we do know, and testify of that which we've seen, and we receive, and we receive not, and you receive not our witness. If I told you, oh, wait, okay, I got to start back in nine. Nicodemus, well, Jesus, we all know this thing about that, you know, you must be born again. Nick, what does Nicodemus say? Give me something real. How? How do we do that? He says, I, I, I'm not going any further. Until you, by faith, grab that and say, Amen. See, the young rich ruler had the same problem. He only saw Jesus through his own perspective. If he really knew who he saw, when Jesus told him the how, he would have sold it all and followed him. It was the ethereal stuff he couldn't grasp or wouldn't grasp that led him down another road. Ruth, when she could, when she saw the things that couldn't be seen, made her the how possible. Are you following that? Because I don't understand it. So Nicodemus said unto him, how do these things happen? Jesus doesn't go on to explain how he does it. It's got to be grasped by faith. Jesus answered and said unto him, are you a master of Israel? You've been saved so long. You've been coming to church. And you don't know these things yet? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak those things which we do know, okay. If I've told you earthly things and you believe them not. Those ethereal things, the things you don't understand, Jesus thinks those are like the earthly things. But you've got to grasp those first before we can move on. Have you been wondering why there's not, well, first, don't make a correlation because I just preached against it. You know why there's not a lot going on? When we're just not doing a lot, you're probably not grasping some of the earthly things Jesus might be speaking to you. Like you have to be, how? I don't understand it. Well, we're not going anywhere. Because if you refuse to die at that point and say, yes, sir, yes, Lord, the how is going to only throw you into greater derision. Sell all that you have and follow me. What are you kidding? That's nuts. That doesn't make any sense because you refuse to understand the, the earthly things. The earthly things you believe not. How shall I tell you the heavenly things? We're not going any further. See, why would I tell you how to clean your house or handle your money if you don't understand the deal? See, if there's no correlation, I just want to know how. How do we make bread, Lord? 
How do we know? So a lot of times it does. It, it, I mean, the ethereal things bother me too because they, it just doesn't make any sense. How is that going to really happen? Gideon, you mighty man of God. Well, how is that? I mean, how do you call me a mighty man? It has to be broken. See, the, our own righteousness has to die. And that's pleasant in the sight of the Lord. And when that happens, I think the earthly things, the things that we would think, actually the heavenly things, Jesus calls them, the hows, the impartation of what God wants to do, takes place. But there has to come a dying. And like I said, the reason that we're not speaking is we don't believe. God help my unbelief. I need to start speaking some of those things that don't seem to make any sense to me. I don't seem to understand. Matter of fact, they fly right in my face, mighty man of valor. Yeah, who are you kidding? says, who are you kidding? Look at me. I'm the coward of the cowards. God's saying something. When he grasped hold of that, the how happened. Yeah. We're just going to read one thing out of Oswald. I was also... T- Someone told me, I'd said something, and I said, they said, you got that from somebody, didn't you? I said, yeah, I got it from Oswald. Um, I used to not read the, you know, bring these books up and, and talk about them right from the book, because I used to think I used to have to get things on my own. I mean, I used to hear preachers, and I'd say, okay, you know, I kind of have to disguise it to like, but the Bible makes it real clear. You don't get anything on your own. You don't receive anything unless you've been taught. So I'm not, you know... I could come up here and give you the quote, but you'd all know it wasn't me anyway. But wouldn't it be, I have to acknowledge the brother. You know. And, I, you know, and somehow, it does the same thing for me. I, I, you know, I know like the, the brothers in, in, in Olympia and Oregon and all those places, they, they quote a lot of books. And when they do, I get mad. I don't know why. I just don't, don't like it. But maybe it gave me some freedom. So, if you want, you can get mad. Or you can just receive it. Or I can pretend... I heard from God, <laughs> but I wrote it down in a really good book. <laughs> the Lord told us how to love him is manifest. I don't know how to read yet. For the Lord has told us how to love him is to manifest itself. The love to him manifests itself. God's given us instruction on how love for him is to manifest. Has anybody got any ideas about love? Have you come up short? Has the feeling dissipated? Good. It's supposed to. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Ruth, I'll stay with you. Do you love me, Elijah? I'll stay with you. I don't know what we're doing here. Here's the word. If you love me, Feed my sheep. The amazing, oh, we got to talk about that story. That that word, feed my sheep, is is also not only a commandment, but it's God, it's Jesus' ref... I don't know the word. It's God's final statement on forgiving Peter. You don't see a whole discourse of this weird kind of, oh, Peter, I know you failed me and let me under... He doesn't go into that. We gotta kill the natural affinities. Jesus is here to establish his father's purpose. And then not like, okay, Peter, I knew you blew it. No, Peter's crying. And I... No, it's none of that. We love the touchy feeling. Get over it. I just have to preach what, what, you know. 
Paul, Peter, Jesus never says, now I forgive you, Peter. And you know you did bad, but no. He already knows our state. He knows that we sin. We continually sin. We're always sinning. Not that we should continue in that deliberately. But there's time to like be thinking we heard from the Lord. It was really the devil. Get rebuked. Start loving like we're supposed to. It's not a feeling. It's feeding my sheep. And when God tells Peter to feed his sheep, he forgave him. He's saying, here, I'm giving you your work back. Go for it. And if you love me, you'll do it. And so this great man, Peter, who has denied the Lord, who has heard God, and he's seen Jesus raised from the dead, and God forgives him. And God says, love me, feed my sheep. And he gives him the command of God, and he prophesies over him. And says, Peter, when you're old, you do this and you do that. And then, you know, Peter, that mighty man of God, who has just seen the Lord, says, well, what's this guy going to do? How come you're being so heavy to me? I go, what? Yeah, he's a person. You're going to be people. And it's God's infinite mystery that God takes people even after that whole thing. Feed my sheep and you're going to do this. And he, you know, Jesus lays on a pro And all that Peter can do, he just blew it royally. He knows who he is. And he says, well, how come you're not picking on John? Well, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't get mad at him. He just says, basically, grow up. I'm talking to you. This is what I'm telling you to do. If you love me, feed my sheep. That's the manifestation of love. Jesus loved the Father. What did he do? He fed the sheep. David loved his Father, fed the sheep. There's a lot of other stuff you could be doing. You won't open up any more books. We've got some stuff. Now it's our turn to, you know, do we realize God's working in our life? Let's be thankful. Let's praise him. And we'll continue next week. Amen. 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 Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that Spencer's head isn't cut open. Praise God. Amen. Let's go in the name of the Lord. Be blessed.